Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is about cosmetic dentistry and also about social media. We have a very special guest on the show today and the guest is none other than Dr. Desiree Yazdan who is a very successful cosmetic dentist based in the US and the truth is I've been a big fan of Dr. Yazdan. Uh, from social media for a very long time now and I'm so so honored that she came on the show and I feel like I'm a little bit starstruck in this episode. In the first part of this episode I talked to Dr. Yaslan about her journey to cosmetic dentistry and also how she built her social media presence and Dr. Yaslan shares that this was essentially out of desperation when her business partnership broke down very early on in her career. In the second part of this episode, we focus on cosmetic dentistry and in particular porcelain veneers. Dr. Yazan shares the journey that her patients go through in the process of having uh, this treatment done. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. Hi, Dr. Yaslan, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Could you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Yeah, so um, I am based in California in the US, Southern California. It's actually Newport Beach, beautiful city, Um, but I love where you're from too. So, Um, and I am a cosmetic dentist. Um, I do a lot of smile makeovers, full mouth reconstructions, veneers, but I also do the general stuff like regular fillings and um, anything I don't do in my office. I have a specialist that comes in like gum surgeries, implant placements, those types of things. Um, and so, yeah, I have my own practice. I recently hired my first associate, so that's exciting. Um, and yeah, just pretty much who I am and what I do. Amazing. I think that that's an understatement. I'm sure you do much more than that. And I've been a big follower of your social media journey uh, for a very long time. And I know you're very, very inspiring. Um, could you tell us how you got started in cosmetic dentistry? Because that's one of the big things that you do. Um, yeah. So thank you. Those are all nice things. Um, so mm-hmm. I, uh, when I was in dental school, I actually went to dental school to become um, an oral maxillofacial surgeon. And mm-hmm. I really was into it. And I was like, this is awesome. I can't wait. And like, everyone was like, you're crazy. The program is so long. And, and I was like, it's okay. I'm all in. I'm all in for the dental school, the medical school after the residency. And then I like watched a tooth being extracted and I was like, oh my God, that, that is horrible. And then <laughs> every time I extracted teeth in dental school, I think we had to, I forgot the requirements, but like, it was a lot. And every mm-hmm. single time it was like, the, I had the same feeling. I hated it. It was not fun for me. And I know that OMFS, they do a lot of other things as well. Um, but just like, I know their bread and butter. A lot of it is extractions. And I'm just like that, like, I'm so turned off by this. I will never go mm-hmm. into that field. So then I was kind of like, well, what should I do? And in the back of my mind, I've always loved cosmetic work and like the thought of doing veneers and stuff, but I just didn't know. Cause there's no specialty in that. So I didn't know how I would 
go about doing that. So I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I'll do ortho. I did not like ortho. I was like, maybe I'll do pedo. Um, I love kids. And then I really ended up liking endo, which is root canals. And I was like, this is awesome. I love doing this. It's really fun. It's really relaxing to me. And um, I did in, in school, I did a, a root canal that was super complicated on a molar. And then I was like, oh my God, if I was an endodontist, this is probably what I would get all day long. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. No. So I kind of was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And at that time in dental school, I'd only done like one cosmetic case, which was like two veneers on a patient. And it was really fun. I really liked it. But then as, so as I went through my schooling, I was like, okay, really want to do like high-end cosmetic dentistry, but I just didn't get exposed to it at all in dental Mm -hmm. school. And the way they do it in dental school is like so different than you do it out of dental school. Like you don't learn all the stuff. And so I was like, okay, think that's what I want to do. And then when I graduated, I spent a lot of time like working in a ton of offices. Like I would wake up every day of the week and be like, I don't even know what day it is. What office am I going to? I think I had six different Mm -hmm. jobs. And then I, um, kept asking, like I would go into dental offices that were like high-end cosmetics and I'd be like, I just want to talk to the doctor. And then I would just be like, I just want to shadow, like, can I just watch you do what you do? And so I started kind of doing that and then taking a bunch of courses. And then, um, I ended up being an associate at a practice that did a lot of high-end cosmetic dentistry. And then that's where like, I really honed my skills. I had a great mentor and like really learned all the skills. And I always had someone to go to with all my questions. So Mm -hmm. I think that's how I really got into it was just really like wanting to be in the environment and putting myself in the environment. And then just putting myself like not even like, Oh, I want to get paid to be here. Like, just like, Hey, can I come watch you and learn? Like I'm a dentist Mm -hmm. I'm newly graduated. Um, so that's basically how I got into it. And I really love it. And it's, it's not for everyone. I know that just speaking to all my dental friends, like it's, they're always like, I don't know how you can tolerate doing that, but I'm like, well, I don't know how you could tolerate doing what you do, you know? So it's not for everyone, but I really love it. So that's really how I got into it. And I think, um, just being exposed to it all the time and having so much experience, um, like right off the bat was really helpful for me so yeah yeah and I think that's a very good example of how you don't really know what you want to do until you try it because like you're saying with OMFS if even if you want to do it if you can't stand the sight of blood or if you can't sort of tolerate the day-to-day then you're really not going to be very happy doing that I think a lot of dentists or dental students would think they have to know exactly what they want to do as soon as they start but actually you won't really and you can't know like like you're saying with cosmetic dentistry for example a lot of the stuff that you would be doing as a high-end cosmetic dentist you don't really get exposed to as an undergraduate dental student so right. it's important to go out there and expose yourself and get the right kind of experience right exactly and see if you like it you know i'm sure you get this a lot too but students that reach out and they're like um i'm thinking about going to dental school do you have any suggestions my suggestion is always like yeah go shadow some dentists and see if you like being in a dental environment. You know, that's my Mm -hmm. biggest advice to you at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. I get a lot of questions asking me if medicine or dentistry is the right choice for them. And my response is always, there's no way you knowing that without being exposed to it. Because my brother, for example, he considered dentistry before medicine. He's a doctor now and he 
when he went to do his work shadowing, he absolutely hated it. And, you know, that's how he knew. That's how he knew that that wasn't for him. So my advice for anyone is just to go out there and expose yourself to whatever field you're interested in. That will give you a pretty good idea of whether it's, it's the right choice for you or not. That's funny. My brother's so, a medical doctor also. It was so, <laughs> so many ways. <laughs> um, so tell me, Dr. Yazan, how do you keep going with regards to your social media? Uh, being a dentist and especially having your own clinic is, is a very time-consuming and stressful thing. Even if you love it, it does take up a lot of your time and your energy. And you have a very young family and yeah. there's all these things that you do. But you also have a very successful social media platform. How do you find the motivation and also the time to, to put into and invest into the social media platform? Yeah, so it's actually kind of interesting. Um, it does take up quite a bit of time, but not as much as it used to. I want to say in the beginning, it was taking up like a lot of time because I didn't know what I was mm -hmm. doing and I was trying to figure it out and um, just like doing the best I could. And at the same time, um, I, I got on social media because I had a situation with them. Um, I had, I acquired a practice and it was a horrible partnership and um, what ended up happening was my partner stopped practicing dentistry like a, I think a year no less maybe a year maybe it was a year I'm not sure I was just like a few months after um, I bought into the practice and it was just a horrible situation so basically my practice like went downhill really fast and um, yeah it was about a year and then I, she never told me, like, I didn't know anything that was going on. And then all of a sudden one day I was like, I, I was actually on a plane. I was across country and I just feel like it was totally planned in that sense. And anyways, that's a different story. But so I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, I just lost my business. I'm not even in the U S like I'm across. I was on an airplane when I found out. And so I was like, okay, what am I going to do to like, now I have no patients coming in, nothing's like, this is a mess. So I got on social media out of like desperation. So I was like, okay, well, I don't have a marketing budget and I have to make this work because I don't like the other options that are available to me. Um, so got on social media, spent a lot of time figuring out what to do, um, how to make it work for my business. And so I feel very fortunate that I figured it out and like mm -hmm. built my business from, I, I want to say like below scratch, like way below ground level and um, built it up. And I'm super happy and just really thankful for that. And also, so now when I look at it, it's like, well, it's free marketing. Like, even though back then when I first started, I got so much more reach and everything because, you know, the social media platforms are always changing. Um, but it's just free marketing for your business and you can get in front of so many people. Um, and I'm, I know that you know this as well with your social platforms, but you could just have so much reach to people you would never, ever be able to um, connect with. And then they, you get people from all over the world that are like, Oh, I, coming in to have treatment from you and you're like okay that's awesome like it's really awesome mm -hmm. so now when I look at it it's just part of my business it's like mm -hmm. it's, it's just what I have to do to keep my business running maybe at this point I could probably slow down because I have enough patients and then you know every patient you get in will refer people as well um yeah. so but I still don't because it's always nice to have new patients coming in. And I'm sure, you know, with dentistry, you always need an influx of new patients because you do the work and it lasts such a long time. So you need new patients to be able to see. 
exactly yeah i I've, i started my social media journey actually not very long ago i think it was maybe about six months or so ago and i i think i underestimated just how much work and effort it takes because especially if you have a purpose and you want to create quality content and add some value you have to actually put a lot of work um, into that and I don't think I appreciated just how much work goes into that and I think it was something uh, you said actually on on your podcast that I was listening to on my way to work and you, you were talking about productivity and perfectionism and you said sometimes good enough is good enough and I could not relate to that more because I think sometimes you get so sort of bogged down and preoccupied with the tiniest detail that other people mm -hmm. don't really care about but to you it's the biggest thing and you know, sometimes you will spend hours on that one tiny thing when there's so many other things you should be doing. But actually, from time to time, I have to remind myself, like you said, you know, good enough is good enough. Just as long as you're happy, just put it out there. And sometimes you have to move on from trying to be a perfectionist in everything that you do, because otherwise you wouldn't 100%. get anything done. You wouldn't put anything right. out there. And I think especially like as dentists, you and I, like we're so about the perfectionism, like down mm -hmm. to the quarter of a millimeter that it's yeah, so absolutely. hard not to be that way in every aspect of our life. But then when you're like, okay, is, I always think like, okay, this isn't perfect. I don't love it, but is someone going to benefit from this information? Mm -hmm. And then if the answer is yes, then you're good, you know? As long as you're, you don't feel like you're wasting someone's time with the info, then um, you're good. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with certain things, obviously, we can't afford not to be perfectionists, like totally. of a tooth, you know, 0.1 yes. of a meter is crucial. But with some things like, I don't know, the cover of the podcast episode that I have to create, for example, I spent hours over the tiniest detail and really no one's getting to care. It's just me and in, in my head. So I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves to kind of move on and get stuff done because otherwise you would be bogged down and you wouldn't put anything out there. A hundred percent. And yeah, I think I mentioned that also in my podcast episode, like not with the work that you do, like be the yeah, perfectionist exactly. there, but, and all your social media stuff, like definitely B minus work is good enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> And tell me, Dr. Yadzan, how do you deal with the stress of the work? Because dentistry itself is quite stressful and just life these days is quite stressful. How do you personally manage the stress? Yeah, so I, you know, it is stressful. I, I used to be a lot more stressed out. And then I think um, actually when I had my baby uh, at the end of my pregnancy, uh, I, I had a really good pregnancy, but I had a really it was difficult for me. I gained so much weight. It was like awkward. I couldn't recognize myself. I couldn't breathe. Like I had like mm. pregnancy arthritis. So, um, my hands like didn't fit in the gloves and like, I was just mm. constantly uncomfortable. I had so much pain and just in general, I think I was in so much pain from all the weight gain that I had that, mm. um, like I had a healthy pregnancy, but it was just hard for me. And so mm -hmm. I started being like, okay, I can't stress about everything. Like something's got to give. So I started just to look at my business differently and not to take everything as like such a big deal and not freak out over everything. And just mm -hmm. know that 
when I would look into things that I would worry about all the time in my past, like for example, like, am I going to get into dental school? Am I going to pass this dental exam? Am I going to pass my, my um, licensing exams? Am I going to get a good dental job? Like all those things that I would stress about, like everything turned out fine, right? Everything turned Mm -hmm. out exactly as it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so even with like that, um, how I was talking about that, uh, my partner, like stopping practicing dentistry. Like that was like a massive stress bomb to me, but then it worked out fine. Right. So I started to be like, I just don't want to live in such a stressful environment all the time. Like I want to be calm. I want to be happy and I can have that. I just have to like change the way I'm thinking about things. So when issues would come up, I would just be like, okay, it's all figureoutable. Everything is figureoutable this isn't something for me to lose sleep over. And then I think that just helped me relax so much. So dealing with the stress for me, like it used to be like, okay, I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to like force myself to do these tasks that would like deviate and like move me away from the actual things I was thinking about. But then it turned into like just a lot of thought work. Like now if I feel stressed, I'm like, you know what? it's going to be fine. I'm going to figure it out. So that's how I really manage my stress now is just be like, okay, so what have I done in the past to fix this? And I also think like the longer that you're um, practicing dentistry or in any career, uh, you deal with so much stuff that you've dealt with similar issues before, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, this has happened before. I know how to deal with it. I know how to care for the person or whatever, whatever the problem is. If it's within your business or anything, you're like, okay, I know how to deal with it. Um, and people are super understanding, you know, if you're coming from a place where you're not freaking out about something and you're just like, Hey, listen, like for example, COVID, I'm sure, you know, the stresses of it. Um, we had to shut our offices down and it was like really strict guidelines of you can only see emergency patients, but then they defined emergency as like uncontrollable bleeding, which you wouldn't come to me for that. Um, like <laughs> an infection, like an abscess, it's so bad that, um, the patient can't like breathe or see, which you're not going to come to me for that either. Um, it was just like these things that I was like, okay, you're not going to go to the dentist for that. And so mm-hmm. when patients would call me and they're like, I broke my front tooth. It's like, how do you tell someone that's not an emergency? Like it's yeah. totally an emergency. But I was like, listen, like normally I would be panicked, like, okay, well, let me, let me see what I could do. Like, maybe I could like meet you, but just don't tell anyone. I'm just really nervous. Like, well, <laughs> like I would normally freak out, but I was like, listen, I don't know what's going on with COVID. Things, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on with COVID. The last thing I would want to do is put you at risk, put myself at risk. I have, you know, my parents are older. I have a like child that's like, at that time she was like four months or something. And mm-hmm. I was like, so I know it's an emergency, but you're not in pain. Let's yeah. keep up and let's see how things go. I promise I will see you, but we're closed right now. And I, I can't see you right now. And you know, everyone was really understanding, but I think couple of years ago, I would have like lost my mind. Like I used to go at any time into my office and see any patient who needed anything. And so now, you know, I think also after having the baby, you have to think of like your priorities shift a little bit, even though you're still very much into the business, you're like, okay, but I don't have childcare. So I actually like can't come. So, and people are understanding. So I think that's, Long story short, I guess it's not short though. Um, that's kind of how I deal with the stresses of things is really just managing my mind and like talking myself through it. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's all about having perspective and knowing that actually in the grand scheme of things, even though for us and for the patient, it might seem like a very big deal, but you have to kind of put it into perspective. And also when it comes to stressing about the smallest things, I've learned from personal experience that actually if you stress, you don't necessarily take away future problems. So you can still, even though you're worrying about something, that doesn't stop the bad things from happening. So really there's no point worrying because if you're going to start, you should be worrying about all all sorts of things that you can you know it's in your mind you can think about even getting hit by a bus if you cross the road you know right yeah there's no limit right 100 percent. i'm with you on that it's like you um exactly what you said of like you're not focusing on like future problems and you can't stop the future stresses either because that's another thing also like if you sometimes come from a calmer place you're like okay next time this happens or this is how i'll prevent this from happening next time Mm -hmm. right So let's talk about dentistry. What do you define as cosmetic dentistry? Um, Really just enhancing a smile. Like it could be Mm -hmm. as small as uh, whitening someone's teeth or doing Mm -hmm. like a composite on a small chip tooth to doing like a full mouth case of restorations to like really give someone their function back and change their smile, enhance the color, shape, size, and contours of the teeth. So that's pretty much like, it's such a wide range, but I think Mm -hmm. anything that would enhance the smell, whether it's a small way or like in a really big way. Mm -hmm. I agree. And is there a specific type of treatment that you do a lot of in your clinic with your patients? Um, I do. I do a lot of veneers um, Mm -hmm. and I really love doing it. And like I said, it's not for everyone, but it's really for me. Like I really love it. And I feel like I just keep getting better and better and better at it. Just like mm-hmm. understanding the patients, what they want, what their personalities are like, and like matching their teeth to fit their personality, but also fit in like the borders of their face nicely. And, um, you know, I have, everyone has their own aesthetic and mm-hmm. obviously the patients that choose me like my aesthetic for them. And I just really care about my work. And so I do end up doing a lot of veneers and cosmetic work that way. But I also, like I said, do like the smaller things too, like the small broken teeth in the front or like whitening treatments. Um, But really we're always looking at like overall health. So we want to make sure the teeth are clean, the gums are healthy, like the housing of the mouth is healthy before we move on to do anything else. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think a lot of patients who come to see me, for example, for whitening, they, they just want to kind of get on with the whitening, but actually we have to make them understand that you have to make sure all the foundations are there, the mouth is healthy. And then if it is, then you would move on to do something to improve the look of the smile. And that's something people need to. Yes. So I think in different parts of the world, we do things slightly differently. Here in the UK, we're quite sort of big on minimally invasive dentistry. So with with a lot of cosmetic work, we try to be as conservative as we can. Um, With veneers, we try to do minimal prep when when the situation obviously allows for it. How how does it work in the US? What is your approach to cosmetic dentistry? I want to say kind of the same, but I get a lot of patients that Um, and I definitely do a lot of minimal preps, like when the situation allows, like you said, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are always looking for like no prep veneers and 
sometimes that works, but it's very rare because I think that if we're going to get super technical, I know your podcast is for patients, but it, a lot of times the restorations become so thin at the margin that they either break or they impinge on the biological width. And so, mm-hmm. and then they end up looking really bulky and stuff. So um, I don't do like, I don't do many no prep veneers. Yeah. Um, and then I notice like a lot of patients will come to me with um, teeth that don't have the best alignment and they want to improve the alignment of their teeth. And I'm like, okay, well, you could do some braces or orthodontics of some kind, Invisalign or whatever. And they're like, no, I also want to like change the color, the shape, and I want them bigger or smaller or whatever it is. And so um, it's, it's really like what, what the patient wants as well as like the safest way to get them there. So sometimes we have to end up like prepping the teeth a little bit more than we would like just to get that alignment like to be good. Or if they want to totally change the size of their teeth and like, let's say make things smaller, like maybe we need to prep a little bit more. So I think for us, it really just comes down to, we always want to be the most conservative we can, Mm -hmm. but you know, if you're getting cases where patients are like wanting something that they don't have and like, we can't work super conservatively in those boundaries. Like you can't, you have to do a little bit more aggressive treatments or like crown lengthening and stuff if the situation allows for it. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's definitely case specific. We always try and be as, as conservative as we can be, but it's obviously very case specific. So it depends on the existing situation and what options we have. What we do is we always give the patient a range of options. So we say this is from the most minimally invasive thing we do, we can do for you or to the most sort of uh, holistic, uh, thorough thing, reconstructive thing that we can do to give you the perfect Hollywood smile. Do you get a lot of patients coming to ask you for Hollywood smiles, would you say? (laughs) I think less so. I I used to get that a lot. Um, And there's this like chart that actually has, I'm sure you've seen it to your patients have shown you like, and that it actually says Hollywood smile. It's like a type of smile that they've designated. Like, it's really funny. Um, so sometimes patients of mine will pull up that chart, but, um, I, and I think in the past people used to ask me that all the time as well. Like, I just really want a Hollywood smile. I don't get it so much anymore. I think Mm -hmm. social media has really changed it in the sense that people will be like, I want a smile like this. And then they pull up a photo they, like of mm-hmm. a work I've done and they're like, I want this. And I'm like, okay, got it. Like I see what you like type of situation. Yeah, exactly. But I think generally in, in media, we are going slightly more towards natural looking things and embracing totally. So not everyone has to be picture perfect, but they have to be sort of aesthetic within their own parameters of what aesthetic means to them. Yeah. And I agree with that. Like, I like the fact that people will want more of a natural look. In fact, I like to mostly create like more natural looks. But what's funny is sometimes I get patients that like, they're like, I want people to know I have veneers. And like, (laughs) I'll be like, so like, you want, like, let's do this. And like, we'll do a wax up. And they're like, no, 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 no. I want like big square. And I'm like, oh my God. And sometimes it's like getting really extreme. They're like, I want super white. And I'll be like, let's do this white. It'll look really good. They're like, no, no, no. And they start showing me photos. And I'm like, 
And then they're like, your work, I've actually had a patient say this to me in the past month. She's like, your work is too natural for me. And I'm thinking then why did you, why did you come to me? Like, she's like, I, I, she's like, I want you to do my teeth, but I want them to look like really fake. And I'm like, Oh Mm -hmm. my God. And then I'm like, just don't tell anyone I did it because it's so not my aesthetic to do that, but it is what the patient wants aesthetically. So Um, Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think with with normal dentistry, day-to-day dentistry, it's quite clear-cut. You know, if there's disease, you fix it. If there's decay, you put a filling. If there's gum disease, you treat the gum disease. But when it comes to cosmetic dentistry, it's so subjective because one one person's definition of beautiful might be completely opposite to someone else's. So it's it's and it's a lot of responsibility to treat. treat these kind of cases because you know teeth are a big part of your face and your face is what you greet people with and you make first impressions with so it's a big it's a big process and and the patients really really need to trust their their treating clinician so totally we're a very privileged position yes totally and something so, i never take for granted and i'm sure you don't either so what do you tell your patients to expect when you're planning for veneers for example how do you explain the process to them? Um, so we go through the whole thing. And I want to say we go through the whole thing several times because I, I don't like anyone to ever be surprised. Um, mm-hmm. And so I tell them we start, you know, with the basics, the x-rays, exams, the cleanings. And then I tell them like, okay, let's do a wax up. So the wax up is for, I know you know what it is, but for anyone listening mm-hmm. who doesn't, it's um, when we take molds of how your teeth look now, and then we create a wax mold of what the end result will look like. And then we can actually make a template and like try that in on the patient so they could see that design on their face so that we're not just blindly building the teeth so that we can show the patient like, this is kind of what it'll look like. Of course, it'll be made out of porcelain, not wax, and it'll look more natural and as far as color and everything, but it's going to be... Um, you know, just a nice blueprint of the end results. Because once we start working on the teeth, typically the cases are irreversible as long as you're prepping the teeth. So we want to make sure we're on the same page. We don't want the patient to end up in temporaries for um, like, you know, six months or something while we're trying to get the restorations to look the way they want them to look. So we talk about the wax up, we do the wax up. And then from there, um, we, once they approve the wax up, then I tell, I mean, in the beginning, I tell them about every appointment, but then as we're going through the process, I'm like, okay, so the next step is the wax up is what we do. And then once they approve the wax up, I tell them, okay, so the next step is you're going to come in, we get you numb, we prepare the teeth, we take impressions, we make you temporaries that match the wax up. Um, And then from that point, like you'll wear those temporaries for one to two weeks and then you'll come back in and we always try in the permanents before they're permanently cemented. So the patient can see what they're actually getting, see the color, the shape and how everything looks on their face. And then, then we'll permanently cement them if the patient approves and they fit correctly and everything is good. So um, yeah, I definitely walk them through the whole process like several times so that there's no surprises. Because last thing we want patients to do is be in temporaries and be like, you know what? I just don't want to go through with any more treatment. Like, <laughs> no, that, that can't happen. So yeah, definitely talk about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think when you talk to people, even though they seem like they understand it, obviously they understand you, but I think 
really, unless you try something in the mouth, they can't fully understand you. So I think that's a totally. very, very crucial step. And with teeth, right, it's not like a pair of shoes where you try on, you take them home, you look at them on with some outfits, and then you're like, you know what, I just want to return these. Like, it doesn't work that way, you know? <laughs> no. It's yeah, like, exactly. They're custom made. They're custom, right. custom made. Right. So Absolutely. yeah, we want to make sure they totally understand the full treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you say to patients for um, the maintenance of these veneers? Would you tell them that they kind of last forever and once they've had them done, they can forget about them? Or what kind of maintenance do you normally tell them about? Definitely don't tell anyone they last forever because our own teeth don't last forever, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, dental work, you know, I, I... I can never guarantee how long they'll last with any dental work, whether it's a filling, a whitening treatment, a veneer, a crown. Um, So I don't say it's permanent. I mean, they're permanently put in, but just like natural teeth can break, veneers, crowns, other fillings and everything can break as well too. Um, But they don't require any extra maintenance. So the same things that I would say for natural teeth, like get your cleanings regularly, um, make sure that you're not always biting into hard foods because you never know when you'll break a tooth. Um, Or like I had a patient that would eat frozen chocolate and I was like, yeah, of course you're going to break your teeth. Like you're eating frozen (laughs) chocolate. Like what? Of course. Like, so, you know, I, the same things I would tell a patient for natural teeth is what I tell them for crowns and veneers pretty much. And they are really strong once they're permanently put in. Um, but just like teeth don't last forever, veneers, crowns, all that don't last forever either. Um, and you have to make sure you're getting your cleanings, you're getting your exams, you're cleaning your teeth at home and flossing regularly and really just caring for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes as dentists, we have to act as detectives and see what the bite is like, what kind of habits they have. For example, like you're saying about the frozen chocolate, that makes a big difference. And if it's something that you can address, for example, if they clench and grind their teeth, they're they're much more likely to break their teeth as well as their restoration. So we have to plan for all of these things and give them the right advice. Exactly. What's your opinion on bonding? Um, I think it's really great in a lot of cases where you're trying to be conservative. And I know that a lot of dentists like to do them um, instead of doing veneers, like they'll opt for composite bonding. I'll have to Mm -hmm. say I'm not one of those dentists. I'm one of those dentists when it's like a young patient and they had trauma and Um, or something, or if it's a young patient, they just want to change the shape of their teeth or something. But if it's somebody who's like in their thirties or forties or older, and they have always wanted like a change in their smile. And I just don't think, um, composite bonding will, it doesn't look as nice. It doesn't look Mm -hmm. as natural. It doesn't last as long. They, they can chip more easily. So I like it in some cases, But I have to say, like, in a lot of cases, I will, like, say, okay, if this is what, it's definitely an option for you. If you want to do composite veneers, it's totally an option, but I won't be the one to do it. I'm happy to, like, refer you to somebody that will. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is nice because it's super conservative. Um, You don't really have to prep the teeth and stuff, but it's not always, it's not for me, to be honest. I think it's, it's very, very case specific and people have to, you know, we, we often see these beautiful before and after photos on social media, but actually composite, for example, the way it stains and chips and things, people yeah. need to be aware of the maintenance that it takes. And in some cases, it's just not going to be suitable. And even though that transformation initially looks great, the maintenance mm. might not be realistic for that specific patient. So there's definitely cases where it's 
where it's the right choice and it's appropriate but there's cases which which sort of are where composite bonding will not be enough essentially exactly exactly would you say there are cases where you would say veneers are not appropriate um totally uh you know not everybody wants like a full smile makeover and Mm -hmm. um or if a patient just is so prone to decay and you don't want to put a whole mouthful of restorations if they're not even taking care of their teeth you don't want to just like you want to put maybe the composite there to like until they can figure out their hygiene because i've had patients come in that you know maybe have substance abuse or um are smoking a lot and so they're and like they don't have good oral hygiene and you're like okay so i don't want to put a mouthful of restorations on your teeth and they're just mm-hmm. going to fall off or also um in cases where um patients want their teeth to be a lot bigger but maybe their roots are too short you don't want to mm-hmm. put a whole bunch of porcelain on a tooth that maybe has a little bit of mobility and also has some short roots. So it's definitely not for everybody. Um, but generally speaking, if patients have like healthy teeth and they're, they have good oral hygiene habits, they don't have like huge risks of decay, or if they do like, you know, they actually like have good oral hygiene and they see the dentist regularly, then for most cases it works. But in a lot of cases, yeah, it's, it's not for everyone. Thank you so much, Dr. Yaslan, for joining me today. It's been such a wonderful chat and you're You're such a big inspiration. Thank you so much for inspiring so many people, including myself. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and maybe even learned a few things. I certainly enjoyed making it and I'm so grateful to Dr. Yaslan for joining me today. As always, there will be a new episode every week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode, and don't forget to share this with someone who you think might enjoy it, and also leave us a review, and I can't wait to speak to you soon.